Welcome to the Core Stories Podcast. This is your host, Becky Frazier, and I have a wonderful guest with me today, Dixie Livingston. Dixie is one of my favorite people. She's always got a smile, always seems so sweet, and um, just there for other people. So welcome, Dixie. Thanks. I'm glad you asked me. Um, Tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm Dixie Livingston, and I'm married to Eric. Um, We have been at Otter Creek for about seven years this summer. I've got three children. Isaac is 19 in his first year at Lipscomb. Ethan is 15, almost 16, sophomore at Nolensville High School. And we have a 14-year-old daughter, Jaylee, who is in eighth grade at Mill Creek Middle School. Um, We have been in ministry now for, let's see, since 2006. So going on 14 years now, or maybe 14. And all that time, uh, I have mostly seen my role as Eric's support, as he, I say we have been in ministry, although he's the one whose names are on the checks from, for his job. But I also know that I am a partner in ministry with him. And when our children were small, I was happy to be home, thrilled to be at home with them. And... When we moved here, they were definitely school-aged, and I just began to wonder how best to spend my time. So I am a part of the Vespers community, and back before we had um, an instrumental service, we had a prayer labyrinth rug piece of material that took up the whole stage. And I'd say once every six weeks or so, it would be brought out in Vespers. For those who may not know what a labyrinth is, will you explain that a little bit? Yes. uh, A prayer labyrinth is basically a maze, and there's one way in that leads to the center, and then there's one way out. And Vespers in general was hard for me in the beginning because I don't do super well with quiet and being still. Certainly not shared silence is really weird to me, was used to be really weird to me. And the prayer labyrinth was even stranger because as I'm going in, there's people coming out, and it seems like we should exchange a high five or something, but mostly (laughs) we're just focused on our own thoughts. And usually uh, Mary Hearn or someone else would ask us to consider something on our way in and then kind of leave the concern there or ask God for direction about it and then have left the request in the center of the labyrinth before we left. And so midway through our first year here at Otter Creek, uh, my kids had become settled in their new routines and their new schools, and I began to realize I had too much time on my hands. And that corresponded with a sermon that Josh gave once about how to find your mission, or, and the question he asked us to consider was that the, your mission lines up with what breaks your heart and what is your passion and what breaks the heart of God. Mm. So that sermon and the prayer labyrinth happened in pretty close proximity to one another time-wise. And so I asked, I was asking God to help me understand how I should be spending my time because I knew, I knew that being home without many connections wasn't good for me in any way. And I didn't know how to insert myself in a new community at church or at Nolensville where we live. 
So I was asking for direction how to spend my time and also realizing that what my passion is and what I believe breaks the heart of God is children not being loved or being neglected. Hmm. And so by the end of that first 12 months that we had been here, I began to think, well, I should apply for a job in a school. And we have been, our kids have always been in public school, not not for any of the regular reasons most people think of, but what we've always told our children is that school is not primarily about academics. It's about learning to live in community with people who are different than they are. And um, whether that's because they look different, because they come from a family system that's different, because they have different things than we have, all of that matters when you're in a little classroom made up of people with different backgrounds. And we just always believed our kids would get what they needed academically, no matter where they were. But it was important for them to be in a space where everyone is able to come to and figure out how to live with each other. And I have enjoyed working as a helper in schools, like as a PTO person for many years before we lived here. But as these um, events were coinciding with asking God for direction and clarity with how to spend my time and figuring out what my passion was, the door just opened for me to get a job in a library in an elementary school five minutes from my house. And the person I worked with, the librarian at that school, said that it sealed the deal when I told her that I could read upside down. Because I can. <laughs> That's a gift I have to read upside down. But when you have a bunch of elementary kids that you're reading to, it kind of helps to be able to read upside down when you're reading stories to them. Um, reading is a huge joy of mine. I love to read. I've taught all three of my kids how to read before they started school. And uh, Dr. Seuss's birthday is tomorrow. Oh, good to know. <laughs> um, and I just know that how critical it is for young children to be able to read, especially early readers like kinder first and second. They have to be able to learn to read because later on they read to learn. And so if you haven't right. mastered early reading, all learning is more difficult the older that they get. So I just enjoyed everything about elementary school. is just sweet and fun, especially in the library. So I, I loved that. And I did that for two years. And then our schools in Nolensville, brand new schools, opened. And I interviewed with the librarians at both the middle and the elementary school that was opening. And um, was offered both. And I chose the middle school because of what my kids' schedules were going to be. Okay. And had you had a lot of interaction with middle school children at that point? Well, I had a middle schooler. Well, by this point, I had two middle schoolers. Oh, bless you. <laughs> and I had previously held a pretty strong <clears throat> prejudice against middle school people in general because they were highly dramatic and all of that. However, coming here, um, David Knox, the middle school minister, had a need for small group leaders when we first got here in 2013. And turns out he didn't really need men, he needed women. And I reluctantly, I told him I didn't think I had anything to offer middle schoolers, but I would give it a shot since he 
needed a person. And I come to find out that middle school people are fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) And um, through being a huddle leader and going to camp and watching David Knox lead and love this very unique group of people in sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, I became a middle school person. And so I felt pretty confident that I could go into a middle school school and, you know, have things to offer to them. And so because I think because my taking of this job was not just like, oh, well, that works out with my schedule or the pay is so great because it isn't, because it was the result of a heartfelt prayer and need to feel like I was spending my time well and figuring out what my passion was. What God has shown me every single day is that there are kids who need me and I serve a specific purpose there and it has nothing to do with books. Yeah. For some reason, the students who wind up in front of me because they need to check in with someone they aren't doing well in their classes. They are hungry. I keep snacks. I have kids that don't eat regularly at their house. They're the ones who are not being loved well. And um, I described myself to a friend of mine saying, I'm basically like everybody's mother <laughs> there. And he said, I really could have used an extra mother when I was in middle school. Oh, yeah. And so... I feel like you're the perfect person for that, too. That's a a great description. Well, it's funny because I know I spend more time with a lot of these kids than they do with their own mother. Yeah. And I know they tell me things that they don't tell their own mother. And so I really do try to love them like they need to be loved. And they keep coming back to me, and they're difficult kids and a lot of times they're difficult not because they just want to be but it's the life that they have been dealt and how else would they be you know when they have had significant trauma and foundational relationships in their lives that are supposed to be a landing place for them it doesn't exist and so middle school is hard enough and I don't really care about their academics I want them to know that there's somewhere they can go in that building when they're there for seven hours that they will receive acceptance and love until they can go on their way and finish the work that they're supposed to be getting done. Yeah. And for the most part, there's not any teacher in the building or administrator who begrudges them that time. These are people who hang out in the library who never read a book, but they hang out in the library because it's a safe place for them to be. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's so beautiful. I love that. So how did these some of these kids find their way into the library to begin with? Some of them, a good many of them, began their time, extended time in the library with me because the library is where ISS is housed. Oh, which, that's a great message for kids. <laughs> right. And <laughs> if that, you're punished, go to the place where the books are. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, well, and some of that is because in our district, there is no middle school in our school system that has a person. There's no staffing for ISS. Okay. So different middle schools manage it differently. And um, it just so happens that the library is centrally located. And because there's two of us in there, our schedules are such that they can have supervision throughout the day. I see. Whereas 
otherwise it would be a rotation of people when they have their planning periods, for instance, and that's not always ideal. Gotcha. And so um, kind of by default, because it's not in anybody's job description, for sure not the librarians, <laughs> but it's kind of like Mayberry, you know, the jail and Andy Griffith's Mayberry and how Aunt B brings them apple pie because they she had, that's what ISS is like where we are. I make it very clear to them that I am not angry with them. Like, they're, whatever they're being, in, whatever they have been in trouble for has nothing to do with me. Yeah. And I'm like, you just get to hang out in here. I'm not upset with you. This is the work we have to do. And so, you know, I check in with them throughout the day. I sit and help them with the work if they need help. We have a restorative end to the day, usually about you know, what they can do to make different choices in mm -hmm. the future. Do they have a person they can talk to in our building when they are struggling and identifying what that looks like? And so, unfortunately, middle schoolers don't always learn their lesson the first time. And so <laughs> some of the kids who have become mine have been in ISS multiple times over their three years in my school. Gotcha. And so by the time they're in eighth grade, it's just like... Yay, I get to spend the day with Miss Lewis. <laughs> but, um, and they don't feel like they know that I'm maybe disappointed or let down that they are in trouble, but they don't feel like I'm angry with them. Yeah. Which I'm not their parent. Like they might get that at home. And when they do make me angry, I let them know, like, this, come on, you know, like we, we know each other better than that. You, I expect different from you. Um, so I do hold them to a standard, but it's more built on because they know that I love them, yeah, not because I'm a I have a sense of power over them that they must comply with. Wow. Yeah. So some of these kids are coming into the library for, for in-school suspension, and then they're getting to hang out with you and uh, have snacks and <laughs> be in a place where they feel like uh, they're safe and loved, mm -hmm. and then they keep coming back? Well, it's not like I have kids that say things like, I just need another day of ISS so I can get my work done. Okay. Because it is focused time. When a lot of times these kids are in trouble because they cannot focus in class. Yeah. And that gets them... You know, they do things that they shouldn't do. And so they do get a lot of work done if they choose to. Right. But I don't think some of them think it's a reward. They are separated from their friends for the right. whole day. And when you're in middle school, your friends are, that's, you know, you live and die with, based on your friend group at the time. Some of them honestly need a break from their friends sometimes. Mm -hmm. And those kids can come to the library to hang out and they don't necessarily have to be, you know. Right. It's just... There is an expectation or a realization that some kind, sometimes kids need a break and they don't have to have any consequences assigned with that. Let's just get them to a place where they know they can yeah. kind of relax for a minute. So That's great. My library is just around the corner from the guidance office. And so and I eat lunch every day with the guidance counselors at my school. And so we're kind of all on the same team, of course, you know, significant stress or trauma or mental health things is definitely handled with by them but um I'm a stopping place for a lot of kids who just need to be seen that's great. check in with someone mm -hmm. um and did I hear correctly that you were the employee of the year the educator of the year I have been the employee of the year two times yes. that's amazing thanks for wow that I love that <laughs> yes um 
I, I'm a whole campus person, and yeah. so there's only a handful of us who are not you know, department-specific. And so a bigger portion of our school staff sees me and what I do in yeah. terms of with our students. And so... And what you're doing is so important and so impactful to so many kids. Well, it is, except it just has nothing to do with my actual job, which I, <laughs> which I think is just really funny because, like, when I think about the kids who need me the most, I know I can look at them and tell that they haven't slept well the night before and, I, and that they haven't eaten breakfast that morning. And none of that has anything to do with school except it all has something to do with school. Like when they haven't rested and they're not eating regularly, well, then they don't do so well in class. And so all of our classroom teachers acknowledge that as well. And fortunately, just in classroom setting, you can only do so much in those 50 minutes of instruction that you have with them. And so it's nice that there are people in the building who have a little bit more flexibility to be a landing place for kids who definitely need it. That's great. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that you said earlier, and it's been kind of a theme throughout what you've said so far, is, um, you know, you were talking about Eric and I have been in ministry, Mm -hmm. and then you talked about um, this experience with hearing something really convicting in Josh's sermon, and then couple that with the labyrinth where Mm -hmm. um, you felt this burden that you Mm -hmm. kind of placed before God, and God put something on your heart. So um, what, how do you view... um, you're you partnering with God in God's work in the world when our kids were just in elementary school Eric made the comment to me about how I seem to light up when I go into school just and I think it I I, it was of course before I knew anything about thin places like there are people who there are places that it seems that the veil of you know, between our world and the heavenly realm is thin. And um, I've read, like, sometimes, especially people feel that presence in places of worship, especially ancient cathedrals or ancient right. places of worship, and per- perhaps it's the the multitude of prayers that have been voiced in that certain space. And I kind of feel like that in a school, and I don't know if that's because these people, these children I know are a lot of them are prayed over a lot yeah and um especially in elementary school they're precious and tiny and cute and I believe that a lot of elementary school kids are prayed for a lot and they I think I don't have any evidence but I do think that people who are prayed for carry a presence of the prayers like with them like Mm -hmm. it's a like a, a blessing on you that you take um and so I kind of feel like schools are like that in some places that it just feels like um these are blessed children that I'm with and then I I endeavored to be a blessing to them I told one of my administrators once whenever we interview someone we should make them stand right here which is in the middle of the place where they all come out of the gym at the beginning of the day (laughs) they come off the bus they wait in the gym and the bell rings and they leave and so I love to stand right in the middle of that space, and they're all, they're all around me, 700 kids. And it just makes – I just stand there like, yay, they're here. <laughs> it makes me so happy, just the energy that they bring with them. And so I feel like, I feel like Christians 
need to go to places where everyone is welcome. Like they need to be involved in things where everyone is. And public school is like that to me. Oh, yeah. Everyone is welcome in a public school um, because they have to be. It's a public school. There's not one person, not one student that is turned away. And so we accommodate to the nth degree because we value every student. And I think that it is valuable for Christians to be in a place where every person is welcome and valued and accommodated to the nth degree. And so we had a very difficult week at my school. Um, there was a death in one of, our, of, a, of one of our students. And so for the whole day, our kids were in crisis, dealing with something they weren't prepared to deal with. Mm. And I, we had crisis counselors in my library helping But also, I'm not a crisis counselor, but I'm known to the students. Some of these people were strangers to them. And so I had kids coming to me, I need to talk to someone. And so we would sit and we would talk. And then I would make my rounds through the library, putting my hands on my kids. And Mm. sorry. um, And in my brain, I'm saying, peace of Christ, peace of Christ, because that's what they need. And... um, it was an overwhelming day, um, and they desperately needed the peace of Christ. And I happen to know some of the crisis counselors who are there are absolute believing people. There's, it is such godly work to endeavor to love other people's children the way you love your own. And that's why you find a lot of Christians in public school who teach um, beyond their own abilities and what they have resources for. Um, It is God's work to love other children. Yeah. Wow. What a beautiful ministry. Thank you for sharing Mm -hmm. that. Welcome. Thanks for asking. So I think there are probably a lot of people listening that are maybe wrestling with that same question that you had six or seven years ago. Um, how, How do I find... Uh, where my passions are, and how that aligns with um, what breaks God's heart. So what would your advice be to somebody that's struggling with that or wrestling uh, with the question of what's the best way to spend my time? Right. It really was the how to best spend my time. I didn't want to just go, just get any random job. I wanted it to mean something. And thankfully, that's a luxury we have that um, it's not like I needed to go make money that would support our family um, because that's already been provided but my my advice would be to figure out to ask God to show you where he needs you where after you've asked yourself what is my passion what do I love to do and then asking the other half of that is where where is God's heart breaking right now those things will intersect like there's not a doubt in my mind that there is an intersection of those things. There's a lot of need in this world. Yes. Like when we figure out how to use our time like that, then I think there's only blessings that come from that. And it will be made very, very clear over and over and over that you're in the exact right place. You're being used for the thing that you asked to be used for. And I don't know that I expected it to be so apparent to me as it is, there are lots of reasons why I might look for a different job, 
but then I keep coming back to, but I know I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. I asked him to show me, and this is what it is. And so, you know, there's good and bad in, in all of it, but I do believe that God can use us no matter where we are. He has someone to show us who he needs us to reach out and love. Um, when, you know, in the Bible, in the New Testament says that the Christ, that they'll know you're Christians because of your love. And so I have a Thistle Farm shirt that says love heals that I wear regularly, but I wear, I wear it on specific days also. Like I wore it the day after um, we had our um, tragic tragedy at our school. Uh, I wore it when we had different like natural disasters that have happened mm. and kids notice that I have another shirt that says love wins yeah. and every single time I wear either of those shirts different students say things to me about it wow so I, there's an intentionality yeah. I think that goes with figuring out the best it's not just the one that the job that's open but how will I be used in this space right um and when you ask the question, then you get the answer. Hmm. Be I think. prepared for yeah, yeah, I think you should. <laughs> I think the order that you said earlier as well, you know, you, you examine um, what your passions and what your talents are, and then, um, and then you search for where God um, is already working on those things and join God to partner with those. I think sometimes there's the temptation to say, okay, God, here's what I want to do. Can mm-hmm. you please bless this endeavor that I want to do? Instead of looking around and saying, okay, God, it looks like this is where you're already at work. I'm mm-hmm. going to join you in the work that's already happening in this place, in this in this middle school with this mm-hmm. group of children. Mm-hmm. And especially when, like I, I know when I was in the elementary school that it was, that I, I was an important member of that team of people um and I definitely got lots more hugs and sweet you know things in elementary school um but I wouldn't say that that student body needed me the way this student body does and so it was a couple of years in advance that I got the the job in the school system before I was placed in a place to actually be used in a way that I was at, had asked a few years before. Yeah. So there was some preparation yeah. involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't know that I always thought about it like that, but I would say there's just a recognition of that God is already doing things. He already has people on that, but he he doesn't have he didn't have me on it. Mm-hmm. And there are things that I have that other people don't have and I think when we recognize gifts that we have in ourselves that they need to be shared because they're needed in other places that's why we live in community so that I can give what I have to you and you can help with what you have for me and that's one of the values that I place on a public space like that Mm -hmm. yeah because they don't even know they're looking sometimes yeah that's so great Mm -hmm. Anything else you want to share about your ministry and how you see um, your vocational calling? <laughs> um, I'm hoping that I can continue to be open to how it might morph and change throughout the years. I feel like there will, there will always be kids who are not cared for and loved the way they ought to be, and they won't all be brought into my library. 
I'm not sure if my influence or gifts could be used in a broader spectrum. Like, you know, I don't have any sort of aspirations at this point to make, I don't, I don't, I don't even know what something bigger than my library would be. But I do hope that as opportunities present themselves that I remember to ask the same questions before I jump into a different job. Yeah. Um, yeah. That I would be counting the cost and, you know, recognizing, you know, how I can serve in a new way and not just be like, oh, that would be easier. I'm going to do that. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's not always easy. Right. It takes a lot out of you sometimes. But I do know exactly that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. That's great. I think that's so important to, to remember that your calling might change. Sometimes you're called to something for a season yes. and then sometimes you're called to something else yes. and that doesn't make what you are doing bad mm-hmm. or, or anything. Sometimes you're just called out of something into something new. Mm-hmm. And I love that, that reminder that you gave us to, to keep asking, mm-hmm. okay, God, where can you use me mm-hmm. in this new space? What else do you have in store for me? Yeah. I think that I think it's Elijah or Elisha I never can remember which one who thinks he he's on the run from Jezebel and he goes to the brook and he's fed by the ravens and has water from the stream but at some point the stream dries up and he has to move and I think that sometimes not necessarily in work sometimes in work sometimes you can be so fed in the place that you are and then when you feel that drying up it's it's okay. Do I make it? Do I continue to force and make whatever work in this space? Because this is what I thought I'm supposed to be doing. Or is it possible that there's a, a new, a new place for me? That's anyway. So that's just a discernment thing to have to remember to ask and don't just get stuck. I love that image. That's great. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing. Mm -hmm. I feel like I would be remiss um, having a librarian here and not asking some book questions. Oh, goodness. Okay. uh, So for for those listening who have children, maybe particularly middle school children, what are the top two or three books that you would recommend that every middle schooler needs to get their hands on? Well, Harry Potter remains a big, big favorite still we have multiple copies of all the harry potter books and they just don't stay on the shelves and they get super worn out same with percy jackson there is a really great book called by ann martin who it's called rain rain and it's r-e-i-g-n and then r-a-i-n and um, it's about a girl who has autism who um, looks for oh man hominins words that sound the same but are spelled different mean something different it's a really neat book about I mean, she's in a regular classroom, and she has a helper who helps her, and I think that's a really good book for kids to read because they will for sure encounter kids with special needs in their classrooms, and that's kind of a good, you know, from her perspective kind of book. Let's see. I have The Book Thief in my library, which is a fantastic book. It's amazing to me how many middle schoolers are interested in World War II. Yes. In Tennessee, they study that in fifth grade. um, And that's kind of like what they end, at least right now, I think, uh, end fifth grade talking about. And so a lot of times they come into sixth grade still pretty interested in all of that stuff. And so I think The Book Thief, maybe not for sixth graders, but definitely eighth graders if they enjoy a good big book. It's a great, beautiful book. There is a really neat dystopian series that right now only has two 
um, books in it. I don't know if there's going to be a trilogy. The first one is called The Forgetting. I can't remember the author of the top of my head. You didn't tell me I needed to bring <laughs> author information. <laughs> but The Forgetting is there is a there's this community of people. It's in some unknown time, and you're not quite sure where it's happening till later on. But all of the people carry a book with them all the time because every 12 years everyone forgets everything and so it's important that you write down everything that happens to you all of the important things go in your book so that when the forgetting happens you know who you are and who these people are in your house and you can relearn your history and so um it's it's a profound premise about the books and of course there's a place in this town where all the books all the volumes are kept and but you always keep the book that tells who you are and where you live who your family is and then you would relearn and then there's you know more history in this in the library of sorts of this town of course there has to be a little bit of conflict here because perhaps not everyone forgets Uh so um the second book is called The Knowing, and it's the same place, and but it takes place many, many, many years after this. And so there's a group of people who are the knowing, and um, to avoid forgetting, they live underground. Interesting. It's a really, really neat series. Huh. I'm going to have to check that out. Mm-hmm. I love young adult books. Yeah. They're so fun. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and what books, what book or books are you currently reading? Okay, I'm reading a book called... In the Sanctuary of Women by Jan Richardson, who she is a really wonderful author. Also, she's a, let's see, an ordained Methodist minister, and she's been an artist in residence in a couple of places. Okay. She's a poet. She writes blessings, and it's it's a small devotions book. And so I read that. I also am reading the fourth book in a trilogy from my library. Okay. It's called... Thick as Thieves. I just need to know the end of it because I've read the other three books. <laughs> I get books from my library all the time, though, right. so I'm always reading that. And then I also have Michelle Obama's Becoming book that I've started and just haven't finished yet. Okay. All right. I got that for Christmas. I've heard great things about mm-hmm. that. I'll let you borrow it. Sounds that. good. <laughs> I love it. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Well, Dixie, thank you so much for joining us here today. Mm-hmm. I appreciate having you and for sharing all of your wisdom and um, the way that you're doing ministry in uh, a middle school just down the road. So thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Core Stories is a ministry of Otter Creek Church in Brentwood, Tennessee. You can find out more at ottercreek.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. 